Welcome to another episode of Is That So Season 3. Y'all know the theme. The theme this season is all about alchemizing and understanding shadow work as a tool to alchemize. Without further ado, I I believe it's okay if I respectfully acknowledge this, but I have my first transgendered guest on the Is That So show. Coach Lee Hopkins, or Coach Lee for short. The brother came on the show to just talk about love. I can sum it all up like that, love. But of course, it's the theme is shadow work and how to alchemize. He's, of course, going to go into the challenges that he's had to face, the the path that he had to take and what choices he had to make in order to shine awareness or light to that shadow area to liberate whatever parts he's liberated thus far. And and understand this, you're always going to be in the process of remembering until you transition on. So however liberated I might sound to you, know that there's so much more to be liberated with me. And that's now that don't that doesn't scare me anymore. That actually it excites me. I I love learning new things now about who I thought I was as opposed to who I truly am. I love experiencing those moments where I finally transition from what I've inherited based off of fear-rooted beliefs versus what is truly inherent to me, my truth, or the truth I've come to live out in this human subjective experience. Still understanding that while I am a Black male, Black cisgendered Christian male, that is the small I. That is just my subjective human experience. I am actually the awareness behind the small I. I am an energetic being having a human experience. So anyway, the brother came on to talk about love, and I love talking about love. And the brother he seemed real, real, real cool. So, Coach Lee, and I want to find out what he coaching about, what he talking about. So, welcome to the stage, loved one. Welcome to the stage. How are you doing today, my esteemed guest? I am feeling fabulous. Thank you so much for having me, Nock. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be the first, first transgender guest to be here. First, come on, man. <laughs> got to put some magic behind that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Excuse me, y'all. I'm getting over hey, cold right there. See, you, know? you got the vibe right, because that's how the queer people like it. We love the magic and the unicorns and stuff, you know? What? <laughs> I had to double that up then. One more again for the people. Come on, y'all. Oh. All right, man. But... So seriously, I'm 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 so elated to have you on here. Seriously, finally, it's, it's we talked backstage about how I've been a minute. I need I'm one of those people now. That I'm gonna need a personal assistant. So, anybody looking to become a personal assistant for a nocturnal psychotherapist, by all means, I mean like nocturnal therapist, by all means, reach on out at nocturnal at becomingoutlier.com. Doing some real live advertising right now, but That's right. brother, I want you to tell the people about you and why you decided to reach out and be on this stage. Just talk to my people, let them know. Yeah, well, I decided to reach out to this particular podcast because the idea of doing shadow work is important to me. And I know that's how I I grew and through the experiences of now I know I'm going to share my story about the specific shadow work I've done, but it led up to me doing that kind of shadow work and realizing how important it is. And so that I recognize when I need to do some shadow work, when I can be, I can also be pretty intentional about it. Because of my experiences of being a cisgendered woman, and now my experience of being a trans man, 
trans man, black trans man, I've had experiences in which I didn't feel safe or comfortable talking to black Christian cis men, right? And that just happens to be who you are. <laughs> I don't know if that was a moment for that, but you know. But it is, it's, it is what it is, right? I, I mean, I feel mm. like I need to do the work and talk about those experiences that I've had. And I feel like this would be a great place to open up and talk to you, as well as talk to other, hopefully reaching other cis men who have this have had a similar experience that can relate to this experience, but not just that. I mean, that's selfishly just for me and my own personal growth, but also I have another mission to help people make friendships and feel closer and feel more connected and being, being closer and connected, you have to do some shadow work. And I want to talk about my experiences. So this isn't just for trans people. This isn't just for cis black men or, or black men or black people, period. Just like you said, we are all having this spiritual experiences experience. So it's for us who's having this spiritual experience, remembering who we are. So I want to share a little bit about what I remember about me, what I've learned about myself. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the stage, brethren. Man, we can begin wherever. Yeah. I mean, you said, well, hold up. You said cisgender female to trans man. Okay. Yeah. All right. So can we begin there? Yeah, sure. Sure. So we could begin there. I'll tell you my, my, my origin story where I grew up in a small town in Ohio and I've just always felt disconnected from people. I just felt, well, people are making friends. They're inviting people over to have sleepovers and they're inviting people to hang out with, play games and, and go to games and stuff. But I've never had that kind of real deep, close connection. I thought there was something wrong with me. So I heard though that it's not me. It's just that I haven't found my tribe. So I had an opportunity to go to college. And there at college, I met new people from different countries, even from different states, different backgrounds, cultures, all that stuff. But I just felt really disconnected. So this is me being cis trans or cis woman, cis woman. And at this time I was in Ohio, I also discovered my sexuality. So I started dating women as well. So I identified as a lesbian and I, I just felt like I couldn't share that with people. I couldn't be open with it. So in response to that, I moved to California. I had an opportunity to move to California. California is a blue state. Essentially, I felt like I could be more of myself there and be open and honest with people. And sure enough, I met some great people who I used to do a lot of karaoke with. People would high five me, drinks. They knew my drink, drinks when I went to the bar and stuff like that. People really knew me, but they didn't really know me, know me. I mean, I was able to introduce my girlfriends to them, but that was pretty much it. They didn't really know me deep down inside. And around this time, I was also discovering that I felt like there was something different about me. This is transness that was, I didn't know how to, to verbalize or put words to it. So I just figured, well, I haven't found my tribe. So I left California and I moved to Chicago where I am today. And in Chicago is where, boom, the universe was like, we got you. Bet we got you. We're going to connect you with the queer community that's going to help you out. They're going to help you understand what the languages behind it. Caitlyn Jenner was coming out at this time. So the national notoriety, it, it became safer and I understood more about it. And I had the, the job to actually let me um, go through the surgery. They actually paid for the surgery for me. My insurance covered it. And I had all the things that I needed to transition. So I transitioned from female to male. At that time, I felt right. I felt like this is what the world, this is what the universe has meant for me. And so I still feel very disconnected. And I'm really confused about this because I'm with the queer community who helped me through the process. 
but I still feel like they don't know me, know me. I feel like I can't be myself around those people because I don't know, we ha- we're like 1% of the population who's had a physical transition, but I didn't know what it was. I just couldn't be myself. And lo and behold, I discovered that it was something about myself that I was rejecting that was rejection. So looking back, it's magical. It's magical the way it works out. Because looking back, I I realized that, well, I was running from being my true self in Ohio because I went from here to there to there because I was afraid that people wouldn't like me. I was afraid of this and that. I, I moved to different circles and I did it again in California. And then I found the people in Chicago who I thought I could really connect with, but I was hiding something of myself again with that group of people. So even in the transition that I made, I thought I was going to be safe. I thought I was going to be comfortable. I thought I was going to be connected with people, but it didn't work. It didn't work out. And so that's when I realized that there was some work to be done. Why not? Why did it not work out? Because every group I found, every group I found myself in, I found a reason that I didn't think that they would like me. I found the reason for it. So in Ohio, I found, well, I'm a lesbian. I'm cis woman dating women. And back in the early 2000s, people were like, it, it wasn't really widely accepted. And so I didn't want to share that with people. And then moved to California. And then there was this idea of me being trans. And I didn't want to share that with people. I didn't tell a single soul in California that I wanted to be. And I wanted to transition. So Even in California? Uh, yeah, when I was in California. So I lived uh, in California for maybe five years, five or six years. What was what was the age here? The gay oh, age yeah. Range? So I was 26 when I moved to California. So okay. I was 26. So about my early 30s, 26, early 30s. So I think I was old enough to to know better, to know enough to share. But I never, I didn't feel comfortable with it. And so I was just terrified. I don't want to say well, I didn't feel comfortable. I was terrified. I was terrified to share that. I was terrified that they would find out something. If it's anything that they just wouldn't like me about. There's something that they wouldn't like about me. And at this time, I was drinking a lot too, smoking heavily because I just couldn't. I didn't realize that I couldn't stand myself, mm. but that was the truth. And so I thought Why? that it was an external, I thought it was an external thing though. I thought it was external because I'm female or, or something like that. I'm not being my true self. I thought that it was an outward expression that I was missing. And so that's what prompted the transition. And so well, I tried this, I tried that, this must be it. Cause that's what I'm feeling deep down inside. I have to stop hiding that and show up as trans. And I did. And it didn't work. Mm. <laughs> it didn't mm. work. And I'm not saying that because I'm not saying that it didn't work in the, as, as I don't like what I did. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. Those two things aren't equated. It's that it didn't give me the expectation or the result that I thought it was going to get. But I'm very happy with the process and the progress that I've made with it. The void. I think you're what you're talking about is mm-hmm. the void. It did not fill the void. Yes. It did not fill the void. Gotcha. Even though this was part of your journey, you don't question whether it was part of your journey. It was, damn, I thought the void would be filled and it's not, it's not, it's not filled. Right. It's not, okay. it okay. is not filled. It, it was not filled by that. And so the universe wasn't done with me. They still needed me to, universe still needed me to know something about this. It was, transition was important. It was like, I tried X, Y, Z and they didn't work. You're running from something, figure it out. And so I went to therapy and in therapy, I learned something new, which was a positive mindset and also being accountable for my actions and stuff. So I had this overwhelming, overarching 
belief that nobody really liked me deep down inside. And in therapy, I learned, well, you can feel different and go to places and be different. And if you try that, see what happens. So I decided I would go out to a place to make friends. It was as a comedy club. It's a comedy club. And this is the experience that really changed my life. This is the one that was like, boom, you really need to pay attention. So I go to this comedy club. Yeah, I go to this comedy club with the mindset that I'm going to meet somebody new. I'm going to make a great friend. We're going to have conversations. It's going to be everything. And sure enough, knock, I do that. You have a great conversation. I met this guy. He was just visiting, visiting Chicago. And we were talking about XYZ stuff. And then I turned the conversation towards LGBTQ stuff and transness and stuff like that. And he had mentioned that he had never seen a trans person before, didn't understand the experience or why anyone would ever want to go through with it. And I thought, I've got you. I'm going to fill that void of curiosity in for you. And I'm also going to be my authentic self. This is what the universe wanted me to do. So I go and I tell him I'm trans. And he just stops talking, period, and leaves, gone. Says nothing else to me. And I was like, oh, man, that hurt. That hurt. Mm -hmm. That hurt Mm -hmm. so bad. Mm -hmm. But that, reflecting back on this experience, that is exactly what I was running from my entire life, feeling rejected, being, living my authentic self and letting somebody respond in the way they're going to and realizing that I'm going to be okay. That was shadow work I didn't ask for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's what I needed. (laughs) I didn't ask yeah, for that. Yeah. I didn't. I said I wanted to go make a friend. And clearly the universe was like, well, be your authentic self, but realize that this is going to happen along the way. And so what I do as a coach is I help people deal with that because, ouch, that hurt. I, and I needed a support group to deal with that so I wouldn't drink so much and, and smoke so much and just be so sad because that happened. Previously, I'd be, I didn't want to share myself because I think that people would just do that. And lo and behold, it did happen. But I didn't die. That was the whole point of it. I didn't die. And I I realized that just in that moment, we, we just can't be friends. We're not friends at that moment. I was meant to learn something from it. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't mind, let me just pause and speak to the outlier community. This is not even a pause, a continuation. The rejection, and I'm speaking to you as well, mm-hmm. the rejection. Sometimes rejection is truly the cosmic response to the type of protection that we truly need. Rejection oftentimes represent the projection of a person who has rejected their own parts. And I can't, and I said this backstage with you, I can't give someone something I don't have. Mm -hmm. And so these rejections, and this is why this dialogue is important, and I'm so grateful to have you on stage, these rejections I can have the dialogue. I can be who the hell I am and not feel the least bit threatened. And now in this situation, my brother would have the experiences where that would be a bigger trigger in this scenario. But I'm telling you, I could sit beside a Klansman and I'm definitely not a Klansman. I don't like that in this scenario. That's not equivalent. Now, let me understand that. It is not equivalent. But I can sit beside a Klansman and still be comfortable with my skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that, that internal world. But this is important because if we begin to understand that our behaviors are projections in a fractured state and we respond to things we don't understand with fear and then we want to attack it because that what we feel we attack, then we can pause for a second 
and understand that if you defeat the enemy within, the enemy without can do you no harm. There is no enemy without. If you conquer and understand and understand this right here, then Coach Lee no longer becomes the enemy. You see, he was never the enemy to begin with, but mm. your lack of knowing and lack of understanding and lack of love, that was always the enemy. Nobody asking you to surrender who the hell you are. Ain't nobody asking. <laughs> I, I know we ain't get there yet. I just wanted, I just wanted to say that real quick. Well, I, really I don't know, though. I'm having this dialogue. No part of me in any way feels pressure to surrender who I am. I don't see a threat. That's that's great. That brings me so much joy to hear. I don't know if you want to continue on, but I'm I'm listening no, no. here. No, 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 no. You good? You good? You good? You good? I, I, you know, because you the you the steam guest. So I wonder I'm gonna take it too long. Well, yeah, tell me. You said that was good to hear. Like I feel like it's part of my own my own chatter work. This is three 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 free. Free therapy. There, I'm trying to get you. Free therapy for me. <laughs> come, come. Oh, got to hit it. Free therapy for Coach Lee. <laughs> oh, by the way, since, since I, thank you for that reminder. We are not giving any therapeutic advice on here. If you hear any advice being given, it's bad advice. <laughs> for me, anyway. For me. For me. Coach Lee got it. But, yes. But, you know, yeah. I, like, I like that you can relate to my experience and I understand that because that's what I found later on is that, well, when you defeat the enemy within, there's no enemy without. Essentially, I'm trying to, I'm looking for the thing outside, outside. I'm looking for the, the thing outside to please whatever it is on the outside of me, the people around me. Everything that, that I thought I wanted was outside of me, but it's not really. It is inside. It was that. And so that interaction with the, the man who disappeared, he's really grateful for that because I would have surrendered myself to him, as you said, if he had said anything else to me. I would have, I've been so desperate to feel less lonely, to feel accepted by people that because we had such a great connecting conversation and this one little thing turned him off, I would have been like, wait, 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 wait. These are all the reasons why you should like trans people and why I'm a great one. And this and that, we remember our conversation that we had. Well, actually it's not about, actually, first of all, I don't want to do that. That's a waste of my energy and time. I really want someone to understand who I am, someone to love who I am. And in that moment, I had to realize that, oh, that's the problem. I, I want to, I need to love myself as who I am. I need to be able to speak my truth as it is and have somebody accepted. And two, also they have something going on with them, their inner dialogue. They have something going on with them that made them uncomfortable and they need to go deal with that. And us trying, me trying to, to do it outward, to force it on them, neither of us wanted that. Neither of us really wanted that. We wanted people to just kind of understand who we are and where we are in the process. And some five years later, as I look at that experience again, I think, well, this is where if he was in a different mindset, we could revisit that conversation and he could be curious. If he was really secure in who he was, he could be curious about who I am and take that information and still say, hey, we won't be friends, but he missed an opportunity to learn something new and interesting for me because he wasn't solid in that self. And I'm like, well, that's why you are okay with the Klansman sitting right next to you because you're solid in who you are. You're fine with that. You're just like, well, that, that has nothing to do with me. Here we are. I have an opportunity to learn something new from him. I have an opportunity to learn why the heck you hate black people or whatever it is going on with you. Why are you so afraid? I get to learn about your experiences that made you so afraid. And it's like, it's settling. It is, it is peaceful to be in that state. And after years of work and doing the shadow work and not running away, that's, that's where you come out and you get that growth and you become a person who can stand really tall. 
dealing with the shame, dealing with the pain, dealing with the rejection. Ooh. Now, it, 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 thank you for all that. Take that breath. Yeah. Just go ahead and breathe it on out, brother. Come on now, Coach Lee. Mm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> if you're seeking a life coach, Nocturnal Therapist is the name and Mental Alchemy is the game. If you want to understand how to transmute, transform, and transcend these challenges and these challenging emotions, find me at the School of Outliers at becomingoutlier.com slash links. Again, that's becomingoutlier.com slash links. Stay lit and agape. Understand that if I'm sitting beside a Klansman and they're open, they're curious, because curiosity is the key. Curiosity. I want to highlight that curiosity is that bridge. A lot of us are afraid to ask questions. I'll say this on wax, even though I don't perceive myself to have stumbled at any place. I'll say this on wax and keep it there. I don't know nearly enough as I need to know about sexual minorities and transgender communities specifically. I mean, and specifically mm-hmm. the transgender community. And so it's okay to acknowledge that you don't know. And let me tell you, I don't give a damn about anybody who would comment and say, oh, you should know, and this and that. And oh, you call yourself, you could kiss my entire ass. Let me tell you, <laughs> I don't look. <laughs> <laughs> look, I am, I am perfectly human. And mm-hmm. so as long as I remain open and curious, the collisions are going to happen. And all I need to do is be present when the collisions happen. I don't need to do anything but go with the flow. That's why I say, well, wait. And now this collision has happened. Would I have, would I have met Coach Lee out in Starbucks and just walked up and, and t- maybe, unlikely, but maybe. maybe. Do, if, do we travel in the same circles? Apparently we don't because I never met him before. Mm-hmm. So this right here was a platform where we collided. And now I get the opportunity to be open and curious, looking from my subjective human experience, understanding that I'm just here having this subjectively but this is not who I am. And so understanding that he also has a subjective human experience and I can understand that and respect that. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's like that understanding that, that, that curiosity and compassion and understanding and love really, when you extend that, that's the bridge that builds everything. And now a person can move from the fight or flight state where they feel they have to protect themselves constantly to the story of connection where now you can truly open up and be creative and be your authentic self. People are not going to be their authentic self unless they feel safe enough to do that. That's the basis. Right. That's, that's just biology. Right. So how yes. do you create an environment that's affirming enough to assist that person in being safe? Again, you don't have to sacrifice who you are, but I'm giving you the code right now. Like authenticity, yes. vulnerability, yes. curiosity, openness. All with, those with the with the with the the request that he extends compassion to me if I stumble charging it to my head and not my heart. All right, all right. Let me just stop mm. for a second. I mm. just mm. see we can. I can just I can just be here nodding. You need a, <laughs> I need, need an assistant, but do you need somebody to just be on camera to nod with you? I can just mm-hmm. <laughs> oh like goodness. all the great oh talk shows goodness. have. I'm just saying, man. We got to get beyond this. We got to get we got to get beyond this. There's so yeah. much. There's so much talent and gift. That 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 you have, and so many other people in the transgender community has that the world needs, but yet because the world 
has not accepted their parts, that projection then results in these communities that we have little understanding of, that many people have little understanding of being rejected as well. They become the burden bearers for the self-hatred that we carry. Absolutely. And I want to say one thing on that about connecting with transgender people. If you recognize that someone is trans or that they tell you that they're trans, you might get all curious about it because we talk about how curious curiosity is the way. It's how you connect with people. But there is a level of vulnerability that you need to have before you be all curious about somebody, be all in their business and trying to get to know where they are and what their what their story is. You have to be able to share some of your story. I always say if you want to get to know someone, you've got to give them something to know about you as well. And you reveal yourselves in equal vulnerability and, and recognize too that your understanding is that trans people are the minority and they may not want to do what I do and share this transness out loud and post it on their website and tell everybody about it because, well, it's not really safe. I mean, trans-ness? people are transness. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what, that, yeah, that's why I had to go ahead and hit that button. I, I thought so. But go ahead on. Please continue. <laughs> they may not want to share. They might not want to share their truth like that to you. And look what happened to me when I did share my truth to someone. They just ran away. I don't know how people are going to react to that. And historically, people who are afraid of that don't really run. Maybe Black men in particular, they may not run. They might raise their fist. And I'm not asking for that. I just want you to understand me. So you come at me being curious about who I am. I'm like, no, no, no. Forgive me for being guarded. But also, I want to know about you. I want to know that you're a safe person. So how do we get to that point? How do we get to to show that we're safe? And well, the best way you can do that I found is to be authentic and be yourself. For real. I mean, the best way is because you demonstrate if you go. You demonstrate emotionally, energetically that you are not a threat to them because you recognize they're not a threat to you. You just come off like that and people feel that. I know I feel it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm cool to talk about this. I, you, you can feel the vibe of the room. You can feel the vibe of the person and you need to just be comfortable and secure about who you are. Now, I think that I wanted to talk about Black men in particular, because my experiences Speaking. with being Black and being a cis woman in Black spaces with Black men have not been where Black men value Black women. And no. then I transition from female to male. I fully look like it. Like You wouldn't be able to notice anything unless I told you. I go, I go into a Black male space and here they're not valuing females. And I'm like, ooh, well. and the, they want to dap me and I'm, I'm unsure about the culture and how to connect with a black male because I hadn't grown up with that experience. I haven't grown up with one in the household either, with a, a father figure. I'm growing up with one in the household. So I, I'm like, I'm out here unsure and kind of scared. And I don't want to reveal myself to you because <laughs> I think you're going to punch me in the face. But I really want to show you that, hey, I'm a part of that process. I'm a part of it too. People look at me the same way as they're going to look at you, dude. I, I, I really want to connect with you, but your curiosity about who I am feels like a threat because you're not secure in the fact that you're okay with me being here. You're not secure. You you threaten, you feel threatened or not valuing other females. And I just happen to be a female who's taking hormones to look like a man to you as a black 
cis man. And so I came on here to talk about that and do a little bit of work with that because if you can if if you can take Knox's example of just being secure and safe in yourself, you can see so much more. People are so much more willing to talk to you and open up and be connected with you that it is just amazing. I'm gonna stop right there. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah, well, you were good. So how are you feeling with all that being out there? So what's and then do you have a question specifically that I that you would like me to explore? Because I heard a lot there. I heard a lot. Yeah. And I have a lot of questions, but it seems like there's a specific one that you're curious about. I'm curious about what it is that's so threatening about women and black women and black men or black women and trans men or the vagina, I guess, to black men. Like what is so <laughs> what is so threatening or what is I, I don't understand why I can't be a part of your club. I guess that's that's kind of how that's how it sounds in my head. But I want to be a part of your club. I want to know your experience. We're all we're all spiritual beings having this human experience. And lo and behold, I know what it's like to be arrested as a black man. That might not be your experience, but I know what it's like to be discriminated against. I know a lot of the things that you might know. What the heck? Talk to me so I can mm-hmm. understand. So ask the question again. Just one quick question. Just, oh. Just that question. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I went on the rant there. Okay. No, the no, no. You're good. Is, you're good. The question is, what is threatening about black women and trans men? Okay. Well, that that would have to be specific to the person. It, it, and that assumes that the person is actually threatened by that. So then I'm not really threatened, but I don't feel threatened by that. So I, I can't really answer that question. But I'll say I treat fear. There's a formula for everything. You know what I'm saying? The formula for water is H2O. And so when we look at fear, we understand that it's false evidence appearing real. So for me, I would assume that there is, or I hypothesize that there is some interpretation there that this is this is a threat. This is to be feared. Now, where that interpretation comes from and how that's being interpreted, I think that would be on a case-to-case basis. But of course, on a socio or larger cultural scale, there's been a lack of information and knowingness. And so ignorance and freedom can't coexist. And of course, if I don't know, it's natural. It's natural for the, it's built into our code to be xenophobic by nature because you don't want to just walk up on a plane and just, just start eating grass. You know what I mean? It might be poisonous. So the mind is naturally in a hunter and gathering state. It's, it's cautious. And so I think that a, an awareness, a mass knowingness would then decrease the fear. But I don't, I don't think it's as, as nefarious for most people as it's been. But when we don't understand, the more we lose sight of what we don't understand and become more fractured, the more distorted we become. Because fear, it when it's interjected into the energetic being that we are, it causes chaos. And so then we become and project out chaos, which then becomes, can even go to the extent of violence. That would be my hypothesis, at least. That would be my theory, working theory. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. because I think that we're all trying to project how we feel to each other, whether we really know it or not, because that's just who we are. We're energetic beings. We got that vibe and we just, if we're unconsciously walking around, not knowing what our vibe is, we, we still project that, that vibe. So mm-hmm. I'm stuck on the, the idea that the, the fear and the violence, the fear, you feel powerless. So you can control your environment if you physically change it. But from my experience, I understand that everything happens inward and that you may physically change your environment, but that is just temporary because all the stuff really doesn't exist. What really does exist is your being inside and changing that will automatically change your environment. And 
I really would hope that your listeners would give me some feedback or write to you and share some feedback, like yeah, ask, ask, ask Coach Lee this or, or say something that, because I really want to know this is for the growth and connection because I'm a part of this community and I want to understand my community. That's right. what I'm here for. I want to understand it. I want you to understand me. I want to see each other. I want us to see each other authentically. And I believe that there's a better and higher form of communication than physical violence. There's a, a, a higher form of communication in which I can understand your experience if you can just articulate that to me mm-hmm. with it. And if you don't mm-hmm. want me in your space because of that, at the very least, I understand that and I respect it and I see you. And I'm not upset about that either. Because I understand that that is you and that is your experience in your life. And I also have me and my experience in my life. And I can love you, but I don't have to be with you. And the same, the same is for you. That is love. I think that is love. Understanding each other on that level, that is it. Love is truly a part of love is acceptance. Did I answer your question? Did I answer your question? No, I don't, I don't know if I really answered your question. Well, I understand the question was about why black men fear black women and trans men, trans men. And you said that you really can't answer the question for the other yeah. person because that's not where you live. But based on where they might live in fear, here's some reasons why they might, because they feel like they're maybe not operating from a, a, the higher truth of themselves. It's an illusion. And they're kind of looking at that instead of looking the truth of themselves. And mm-hmm. so that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. I just would, I would hope that somebody out there would be able to shine some more light, maybe even say, well, it's not fear. It's that it could be my own projection, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my own projection and whatever their experience is with that. But yeah, I really think that you shed light on it and I understand why people would feel the way they do. Um, mm-hmm. Now the question is, how do you feel safe in a world like that? Well, you're asking me that because I, I have an answer that I think is just, the reason why I open up and I do this is because I'm secure with myself and there you go. I have to keep remembering that I can step into a space in which I could be physically hurt, but this is just my body. And while it sounds great right now that I'm sitting in, in my own home and talking on the podcast about it, but I'm not actually physically in that space, but I know that that is true. And I hope that when I get into that space of high emotion and intensity, I'll remember that this is temporary, this whole thing, this is, I'm having this experience and I'm going to be okay no matter what happens. But the most important thing, the one thing that you must do is to continue to live your truth. And not what I believe is truth is where in this physical plane is where you honor the emotions, your emotions, honor how you feel about things. And you don't compromise them based on what you think someone else is going to do or how they're going to feel. That is stepping into your truth. If I don't like something, if I decide that I'm not going to tell you because I think you're going to get upset with me, I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to be hurt. At the I'm, I'm going to be hurt. Instead of being truthful, opening up and realizing that there's nothing to be afraid of, the only thing that's going to happen is that you're going to show me your truth. Hopefully, you'll show me how you feel about what I say. And yeah. then we get to see each other's truth. There and I get to respond mm-hmm. however I'm going to respond. Allow that allow that to happen instead of trying to control the situation. Now, and I will say this, when we talk about response and being yourself and still honoring your own truth, that's love. That's love. That's this is how you know if you're honoring your truth, if that action that you take is a love rooted action. Because there's a whole lot of personality disorders that's undiagnosed out there. And these personality disorders that are out there, 
they will take words, phrases like establishing boundaries and build a fortress on your ass. Why? Because it fits that theme of avoidance. It fits that theme of fear. So mm-hmm. understand what the tool is and how to use it and when to use it. There's a time and a place for everything. And so what is it? The way that you're operating ultimately, is it out of love or is it out of fear? The way that you respond, is it out of love or fear? The way that you talk, walk, the way that you're thinking, the way that you're thinking about this, this dilemma, the way that you're feeling towards your own feeling of awkwardness. If you feel awkward, how, what lens do you have on? Do you have on love or do you have on something else? Right. And I imagine the, the love sense, if you feel awkward, the love sense is that I'm going to say this because it feels good to me and I believe in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And the awkwardness. Yes. And, and then maybe the fear is, well, I better say this because I think that I should. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Well, when you, when you say it, when you say it, it could be a fear. I'm glad now we're really in like question mode here. I, I like this. So in that space of saying it with fear, uh, it would sound more aggressive. That's how fear, because oftentimes people yell in discussions to convince themselves of their own truth. For some people think mm-hmm. a conversation is a confrontation, as one of my previous guests said. And so in that space, you can see that a person is choosing to stand up, but maybe they're standing up to the fear of not standing up because they never stood up to the people that still take up space in their mind. And so every other interaction outside of the true threats, they'll displace that energy and project that with extra vigor and, you know, and be aggressive in that space. And so that's still moving in fear that you got to, you got to, you got to go down and solve them shadows. That's where they're at unconscious until the unconscious becomes conscious. It'll direct your life and you will call it fate. That's when you got to look at that and understand why am I responding like that? Is this loving? Is this, does the other perceive it as love? Hmm. Does the, not if I perceive it as love, because I can see a lot of things is loving for me. Hell, I could say I want to smoke a crack pipe is, is loving for me. We can, we can see a lot of things as loving, but is it healthy? Does it enrich my life and does it enrich the life of the other? Am I asking the other to sacrifice their enrichment for my own? Love does not ask these questions. In the space of love, love only asks and gives of itself. And so when you're giving and receiving and everybody is their authentic self, there's an appreciation there and there's a deeper understanding and knowingness and connection there. And so in that space, there's no threats. But we understand that the mind or the ego, it sees a threat, it sees threats, it, it creates threats, and then it responds to that. So you got to ask yourself, even when you're, no matter what side or whatever subjective human experience you have, and ask yourself, is there a bear in the room? Mm-hmm. Because just because you don't physically see the bear, all you need to do is think that the bear is there and you will respond to the bear because the mind can't tell the difference between what you perceive as real and what's actually real. It constructs reality. It does not convey reality. So then ask yourself in a panic state, is a bear here? I'm not giving you therapeutic advice again. If uh, you hear any advice on here, it's just bad advice for me. So. <laughs> but of course, you know. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that you cleared that up for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I would just speak in hypothetically, if that was a situation, just vaguely as a lay person out to the public. I know you just pause, tossing them out there so you can give me time to talk about. But yeah, that's it. That's it. But no, it's 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 fear. It's in a deeper knowing. Like once you begin to identify how fear operates, the art of operations of fear, you can understand how to guide yourself right back to love. First, you got to accept that acceptance component is so hard because of these these narratives. And you didn't really go through the deep deep narratives. And I know we I'm gonna have to invite you back on another time. But the deep narratives of of rejection, the specifics of the rejection and whatnot. I mean, you went through some of it, but I know there's a lot of stories there, right? Yeah. 
And, and but that that energy of rejection, understanding that as fear, and then how can we bring compassion to this to to each other? Because I know the last thing we want to do, especially to someone who causes harm, who who it is evident to most people that harm is being caused, the natural reaction is one to attack because that's scary. I mean, what if that happened to what if we were attacked? What if I was attacked like that? That's how the ego goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to attack that before that attacks me. Absolutely. That's not how love operates. Right. It's, I want to understand that so I can get closer to it. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's what that love will say to you. The curiosity. Yeah, curiosity. What's going on there? So I can get more, get closer to it. Mm-hmm. That fear. How did this fear manifest in this individual like this? Because I don't have to go through the same experience in order to understand the or reap the benefit of understanding the truth there. That's called wisdom. They say experience oftentimes is the worst teacher because it makes all of the students fail before they succeed. But you see, I don't even need to take the test if I can just pay attention without judgment, observe without evaluation. What's going on over here? I can take that truth and apply it to my path and walk with more discernment and wisdom. Mm, mm, mm. I love that. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hitting it. I'm hitting it. But ultimately, it's I I believe that as we understand the language of love and how to operate in more love without sacrificing, like love in order to truly love, you have to look beyond not just see yourself, but look beyond yourself and see yourself in the other. If you Mm. haven't reach if your sight has not reached that far and you still the extent of your sight is still your own nose then it's going to be very difficult for you to operate in love because all you're going to be thinking about is me 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 how i you don't give a damn about the other in that space right it's it's just not possible for you to see that they they're having their own issues just as much as you are but you're just stuck in your own thing it's it's you come in my space and i see you and i see you take a, a deep breath if I'm in my own space, I'm not even perceiving none of that. Or if I am perceiving it, I'm judging it. And I'm yeah. saying, oh, okay, what would they, were they judging me? Why they, were they disgusted? About, what, what's the problem? Why did, but if I can get beyond myself and see beyond my own nose, I can see, oh, yeah, well, they have no anxiety. Maybe, maybe, there's a, maybe this is the first podcast, or maybe, maybe it's just a setting, or maybe stress built up through stress. But sometimes we don't even know why we're anxious. We just anxious to be anxious. Absolutely. It just happens. It's part of the human experience. And so can I, how can I enrich my brother's life? Well, I think what would be the writ, enriching and most loving thing in that space that I can do, actually feasible for me to do, is to extend compassion. And so mm. I do so. Allow my brother to excel and be at peace so he could rise right back to that story of connection where he could just flow because in connection you flow. That's when, look, oh my goodness, we would be so much further if we could just allow people to get into that connection of flow because when you flow and you connect to other people that flow and we are born to create, that's why when you affirm your truth, you have to speak in the affirmative, say what you're going to do. You don't say what you're not going to do because a creator only creates. You can't create a not thing. It does not create a negative. Mm-hmm. And so when you create an affirmation, you don't say, I'm not going to smoke anymore. You say, I'm going to live a healthy life because you say, I'm not going to smoke anymore. That's a not thing that you're trying to create. And you're actually looking at what you fear and wherever attention goes, energy flows, whatever you fear, you attract because you're pouring so much energy and staring at that. And we know that perception is reality. So why would you continue to pour all of this energy into what it is that you fear instead of your highest truths? It's okay. An, it's an illusion. Okay. okay. <laughs> Let me a... just, I just, and sometimes yeah, so... I got to. Yeah. You want to you want to say on that note I want to say that 
So that's what you want to do is help people make, what I want to do is help people make close friendships. I want people to, to say that kind of thing about themselves. A lot of people focus on what they don't want rather than what they do want because they have no idea what they really do want or how it looks. But you start those affirmations, you start focusing, you'll start seeing it. And you also start doing the shadow work because I wanted the friendships that I said I wanted. I went to therapy. I learned how to have this positive mindset. I'm going to meet somebody cool. And boom, I had this experience of rejection right in my face. I had to go through that. I had to do that before I could develop the kind of friendships. Because sure enough, I'm going to sift through the people that are going to connect with me, that are going to vibe with me. And there's going to be a whole lot of people who don't. And that's mm. going to be okay. That's mm. going to be fine. I'm grateful to have that experience. Mm. Again, respect, brother. Look, Coach Lee, y'all, Coach Lee, check him out. He is teaching us how to, he's another another light worker teaching us how to be unified together, move in love, regardless of how we phrase it or title it, or we all have our special talents and our special areas. We have to see beyond our own noses in order to solve these problems. And so I applaud you for your authenticity. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I applaud you for your authenticity and I'm grateful for you being the first person that I had the privilege of being able to acknowledge that was transgender. Is there anything else you would like to say to the people before we get up out of here? Well, I think you've said a whole lot, but I'm going to share with you my, my tagline is that be yourself, live your truth, and there you can make lasting friendships. It's my belief, yeah. Y'all heard it, y'all. This is the Nocturnal Therapist. You got my man Coach Lee out here, and I'm telling y'all, stay lit. Live in truth. Stay lit, y'all. We are out. Out.